What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian. I'm Joe and Nick. What's going on, guys? All right, so we're just going to go right into football. Uh, absolutely. So, starting off with football, uh, to, you know, two big losses for the Redskins slash team in Washington this week. Um, you know, I really don't know what to call them at this point. Obviously, they don't have a name anymore, so we could call the football team in Washington, formerly the Redskins. Either way, two big losses this week. I'll start off with the first one that happened this week. Uh, the 49ers. Um, went ahead and signed uh, Jordan Reed, longtime tight end for the Washington Redskins, or slash the football team in Washington. Uh, they signed him for a one-year deal with an incentive-based contract. So how he does is is going to affect how much he gets paid, which is pretty big for Jordan Reed, which I'll get to in a second. Um, you know, he was a Pro Bowler in 2016 for the for the Redskins, but ultimately he's been injury-ridden throughout his entire career. He's been when he's on the field, he's super talented, but. You know, he's, he's not on the field so much that he becomes, uh, you know, a hard person to pay and keep knowing that he's going to get injured every year. Uh, it's pretty tough. But, you know, when he stays healthy and when he's on the field, he's a very good player. Uh, this creates a massive duo in, at you know, in San Francisco with George Kittle, obviously, who's been ranked as the best tight end in the NFL. And then you have Jordan Reed now who, you know, is probably when he's if he's healthy, he's a top five tight end in the league. So, you know, that's that's a big backup for them. Um as long as he's healthy, that's a monster duo. When you look at the rest of the, the division there, uh, you have the Seahawks who just picked up Jamal Adams. So that's going to be big. Um, in terms of, you know, Jamal Adams with, with his versatility, you know, safeties in the NFL, they're, they're most likely to, you know, cover tight ends in terms when they go into coverage if they're going to go man. Um, so that's kind of big to have, you know, that much tight end power right there. Um, you know, beyond that, you know, just, you know, the actual talent that they have there. Um, you know, you know the Cardinals are not not too great right now, but Buda Baker and the Rams have, are kind of down right now. But you know, being able to battle against Jamal Adams is going to be big. Um, so the 49ers made that move right there, uh, keeps them ahead of the, the Seahawks. Um, you know, that, that division is shaping up to be really, really powerful right there uh, between the Seahawks, obviously, as I just said, Jamal Adams, Russell Wilson, great team right there. Arizona Cardinals. Who, who I think are really up on the uprise right now. You know, Kyler Murray's going to go into his second year. Uh, Buda Baker on the defense. Uh, Chandler Jones on the defense. A lot of talent across the board. They up DeAndre Hopkins. Um, the Cardinals are really on a team on the rise right now. Um, and uh, I'm, thinking, I'm like, you know, looking at as I talked about the Rams, I think they're, they're a long ways out right now. Uh, the way they built their team was really for like a one-year wonder. They put too much money in, into contracts and players that didn't work out. Uh, so they're kind of in a rebuilding stage. But, you know, between the four, nine is the Cardinals and Seahawks. Really good division right there. Um, moving on from that, going back to the Washington Redskins slash the football team in Washington. Uh, the, the team had to, unfortunately, cut their really two-year running back, uh, Darius Geis. And I wouldn't say unfortunately because he, he kind of brought it upon himself. Um, he was arrested for domestic violence and he was charged. Um, he had a total of five charges, three counts of assault and battery. Um, he missed his entire rookie season last year, if you don't remember. Um, played in five games. Um, last season, he, he, he missed his entire rookie year. Then he, then he only played in five games last season, and he was looking to take a step forward this year. Um, but you know, obviously, he couldn't do that uh, because he chose to commit domestic violence. And you know, the league has become less and less tolerant of that over the years. Uh, but state starting with Ray Rice was the big one, and then you, you see, you know, Adrian Peterson got challenged for it. Tyree Kill, Kareem Hunt. You know, the league is just. They don't want to be a league that stands for domestic violence, and you know they're going to take it out on players um, without remorse. You know, and I think somewhat deservingly so. Uh, I know people aren't perfect, but domestic violence is very serious, and you know it's not something the NFL tolerates. 
Um, I would suspect Darius Geis will see receive a suspension at some point. Um, and maybe somewhere down the line he'll get picked up by a team, but I don't think it'll be this next season, obviously, because he'll be serving the suspension as well as he won't be on a team currently. Um, so that that's probably possible end of Darius Geis' career. But he's still young. He's still got a lot of talent. So maybe a team will give him a shot down the line, but not this previous year, not this next year, I don't think. Uh, moving from that, we had Tredavious White, who announced on Twitter that he was going to opt out of the season. And reading through his, his Twitter feed, I saw a lot of... Uh, Tredavious White decided that he will play in the 2020 season. And the reason he cited for opting out was because um, he, he was worried about the people in his family, you know, getting covid as well as he said that his grand, um, his girlfriend's uh, grandfather had, had passed from COVID, uh, so he was deciding not to play, but he, he made change his mind and decided to play. I assume he's probably going to try to isolate away from his family during the season, and that would be his way of going around it. Um, you know, really good player for Buffalo. He, he's a really big part of that defense. Um, you know, I would say top five corner in the NFL. Uh, still pretty young, very talented. Uh, big, big win for the Buffalo Bills in terms of the season. Um, you know, if any player does decide to opt out, you know, it's, it's up to them. I respect their decision, but I'm sure Buffalo Bills fans are happy he's going to play this season. And then finally, uh, last part of big NFL news this week. I just wanted to update on, give a little update on DeAndre Baker. Um, obviously, he got charged got charged with this uh, armed robbery, um, but it also came out there the light during this week that apparently the reason that he, he his charges almost got dropped was because he paid off the witnesses which i don't know if this is 100 confirmed yet but this is like leaks of them coming out um that he paid off witnesses so that they, they, they said he didn't do anything but they i think i guess they found out that he did that <laughs> and he, they're gonna probably charge him with tampering with evidence now um you know if all this stays true and deandre baker gets charged and tried and found guilty um his nfl career is effectively over um you know not to mention the fact that he'll be in prison for probably 10 years or so um you know he'll be 30 by the time he gets out i don't think a team would, would even give him a shot at that point and being 30 out of the league for 10 years and being a convicted felon um so if all this sounds true his nfl career will be effectively over um you know, have to find to uh, find another way to make a living i just you know, I personally, as a Giants fan, I've never liked DeAndre Baker to, to day one. I always thought his attitude was kind of piss poor. Um, you know, as a lot, a lot of players in the NFL, right, they have this attitude that, like, I'm the best player in the world. Like, you can't touch me. I'm a superstar. And DeAndre Baker kind of had that attitude, in my opinion, from day one as a rookie before he even earned it coming out of Georgia. And I'm just not a big fan of the way the way he carried himself. Um and then you know, and I can look past that if you play well, right? You go ahead and earn that. That's I would say swag status, as people call it. You know, if you can earn that, you know, that's a different story. But he was pretty abysmal the first half of his rookie year, and then he picked it up towards the second half of the rookie year. But the he was he did not justify the Giants trading up to get him um, um, last year's last year's draft uh, in the first round, which I was disappointed of. If you guys remember all the way from back then, I was not a fan of that. I figured they could have, if they really wanted him, they definitely could have waited on him in the second round. There was no reason for the Giants to trade up and get him. And the Giants did, and he became an absolute bust, just like everybody else who the Giants draft between Eli Apple and Eric Flowers and, you know, Odell, who was great, but we traded him. You know, it was just year after year we draft people and they just don't pan out and it sucks. Um, 
you know, it's just another player gone for the Giants. Um, you know, Giants have not had a great offseason either because, you know, on top of DeAndre Baker, they had Aldrich Rosas, who got charged with a DUI, um, and had a hit and run, and they had to cut him. Uh, pretty bad offseason in terms of that for the Giants, but, you know, I think they did okay with the draft, so we'll see where the Giants go, but DeAndre Baker's career probably over. Um, and that about Phil, Brian, do you have any comments, questions, concerns? Uh, no. We'll just go right into baseball. So, uh, we're going to do the Mets rundown, the Yankees rundown. Um, so for Mets, they are 5-9, and nine, which I don't remember. What was their record last week? I don't remember. But they're playing better, I guess. They're also playing the Marlins, which they did lose one game against, and now they won another game. I guess the biggest thing that's starting to pick up for the Mets is their offense. Um, they're starting to play better. They had a very good game yesterday with runners in scoring position. Um, get it? They got a big hit by J.D. Davis, which was a three-run home run, to extend the lead from 5-4 to 8-4. Um, besides the good things, there's not that much in addition to that. Jacob deGrom continues to pitch well. I guess the other one... Seth Lugo was struggling, and now he seems back to his usual dominant self. Edwin Diaz has got his ERA to under four, so that's a good thing. Um, I forgot what his ERA was last year, but it wasn't anything good. And then there's been some young players that I really wanted to highlight. David Peterson started last night's game, pitched solid. wasn't He's had much better games before that, but he's a player that they didn't expect to have up this season, and he's pitched very well and it's been helpful with the Mets who continue to get injuries to their starting rotation. Andres Jimenez, who was supposed to be, I think in double A this season, got called up for his defensive abilities, uh, but has really played well on both sides of the ball and could be um, interesting how they use him the rest of the season, especially with Robinson Cano being out for a bit. Other than that, um, Cespedes last week, it was right in the middle. We didn't know where he was, but he opted out of the season. That was That's really old news at this point, but I wanted to give an update on that. So the injuries that the Mets have right now, Robinson Cano, I mentioned. They, Ahmed Rosario and Jeff McNeil both have little tweaks, but they're playing. They're actually playing right now. The Mets game's on. They're playing, so I think they're fine. Robinson Cano... I don't know when he'll be back. I assume soon. It's nothing bad that he has. Michael Walker just got placed on the IL. He has shoulder something with his shoulder. And Marcus Stroman, still on the IL, but is expected to come back soon. I think he's pl- pitching a simulated game tomorrow or very soon. So that would be that's going to be a big addition to the Mets, who this is like the first year where it's really their pitching that's been the major problem for them. It's only really Jacob deGrom and... Maybe David Peterson, who's been pitching well. The other one, Steven Matz, has been struggling ever since his first game. Michael Waka. Michael Waka and Rick Porcello have good games and bad games and good games. There's nothing really uh, consi- consistent with them. And for their bullpen, Jerry's Familia has been probably the worst pitcher out of their bullpen this year so far. Very inconsistent. And that's kind of been what he's been like for his whole career. Even when he had that season where he had 50 saves or something like that he got lucky a lot of the times and he's just been really inconsistent and it's kind of hard to watch him every day or as many times as they pitch him but other than that I guess that's it for the Mets rundown Nick 
Uh, so the Yankees, uh, a little bit of a different week for the Yankees, kind of a down week. Uh, the Yankees have lost three of the last four games. Um, they're pretty bad. The starting pitching has been subpar, uh, you know, across the board, giving three to five runs a game, right? You want to get that below three, uh, typically to win the game. Uh, you know, it's been a rough patch for the Yankees. They haven't been hitting well across the board. Uh, Stan just got out with an injury, uh, pulled the hamstring. He's on the 10 day IL, which is just, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, I, I called Stan the biggest bust the Yankees have ever like acquired since I've been a Yankees fan. And he started off really hot the season, and I was glad he has proven me wrong, and now he's injured again, just like always. Um, and I just don't understand what the Yankees can do with Stan, because he only plays DH, and he still finds a way to get injured. I just don't understand, like, what the Yankees need to do to get this man not to be injured. Um, they paid him so much money, and it's just, it, he's never healthy, and it's terrible. Um, and beyond that, Garrett Cole apparently is getting accused of using pine tar, which is kind of interesting. I, you know, I don't... I can't say he doesn't or does use pine tar. Uh, Brian was showing me the video, and I don't particularly see it right off the bat. Um, but, you know, I'm sure if he continues to do that sort of action, now that it's brought to light by the public, uh, the umpires will probably stop the game and, and check for pine tar. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Garrett Cole, if you're somehow listening to this, I, if you were using pine tar, don't use it again. They're out for you now. <laughs> and the reality is that, like, the majority of the pitchers in, in the MLB use yeah. pine tar in some way, shape, that. or form. It's just like, can you get away with it? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't know if I'm in favor of pine tar because, you know, it, it, if everyone's using it, as long as everyone's using it, then it's fair still, right? It just increases the quality of the game because it gives the pitchers more more grip on the ball. I, sh- I don't know, though, you know. A lot, it's kind of up to debate. A lot of, like, even hitters and, I guess, pitchers, too, are in favor of pine tar. I was just reading about it because, first off, play, players don't want, like, the pitcher to be out of control and throw like a hundred mile per hour pitch at their head. If they use pine tar, that wouldn't happen because they would have much better control on it. So it's kind of like an unspoken, I don't know, like an unspoken thing that people use it. But, um, there was an incident. I don't, when he was on the Astros that Trevor Bauer, uh, had said that everyone on the Astros pitching staff uses pine tar and that created somewhat of a controversy, and Garrett Cole was obviously on that team. And this is the first time anything has really come of light of that. But I guess I'll just, like, explain the video if no one's seen it. So it was – obviously he was pitching against the Rays in the first game of the doubleheader. And he holds – he grips his hat with his two uh, – with his thumb, his index finger, and then his middle finger. And it seems like when he's taking his – fingers off the hat at least for the on the top of the hat it seems like it kind of sticks there and he also seems to hold it there for a little bit like kind of pressing on the pine tar so that's what i saw there's also a little smudge on his hat i mean that could be anything obviously but that's what's going on right now um with the whole garrett cole situation where i stand on it obviously he's a yankee so i i, I just don't have strong opinions on him but um I think that a lot of pitchers do use pine tar, so it's not that big of a deal. But it kind of reminds me of the Luis Luis Severino situation that happened a few years back. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, Michael Pineda too. Uh-huh. You guys remember from Michael Pineda for the Oh, it might have Michael Pineda, not Luis Severino. Yeah, yeah, Michael Pineda. He had pine tar on his neck, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which he's African American, and like his skin color kind of matches the color yeah. of the pine tar. Um, so you know it kind of blended in, mm-hmm. and they they found him using it. He got suspended 10 games for that. 
and if you're a starting pitcher, ten games is kind of nothing. It's like one or two rotations. Yeah, it's like two starts. So, uh, you know, it won't be the biggest loss if they if he does count. If they do want to say he used Pintar and spend him ten games, mm-hmm. um, which I'd imagine it'd be less simply because of the 60-game season. So yeah, it might be like five games, which maybe one rotation Garrett Cole would miss. Mm-hmm. You know, not the end of the world here. And again, as Brian said, and I've kind of alluded to, that every player uses Pine Tar in some way, shape, or form at some point. So it's just like, can you get away with it? Which, again, which we just said, kind of raises the question, should they unban Pine Tar because so many people use it? Yes. People really don't have a problem with it. You know, it's all about keeping a fair advantage. I guess they see it as like steroids where it's like, it's beyond human capabilities. It's it's you know it's it's a form of, of cheating, mm-hmm. but um, you know we'll see if if he continues to do it and if the umpires will check him. Yeah. Um, but that's it about it for the Yankees. You know, hopefully we can get the bat swinging, get the pitches rolling, and go back to how hot we were at the beginning of the season. Uh, now we're like quarter of the way through the season, which is incredible because yeah. uh, it's only been like twenty games, not even. Yeah. And even, I guess it's more like a third, but I guess for the Yankees, it's 15 yeah. games. Um, so some stories thus far. The St. Louis Cardinals have been like the second Miami Marlins. They've had kind of a bigger outbreak than the Marlins. They have, I, th- oh, I have it here, uh, seven staff members and nine Cardinals players have uh, coronavirus. And so they've been, they haven't played since July 29th. Um, obviously that's been a while. It's August 9th now. Their their game against the Pirates just was postponed. Oh, wait, it was canceled, actually. Um, wait, the Pittsburgh Pirates flight? No. The Pittsburgh Pirates flight, who they're playing, was canceled, but their game was postponed. That was supposed to happen tomorrow. So I don't know when they're going to actually be playing. Um, it should be interesting how they deal with that. And basically the question that I have from that is how much more can baseball really take how many more outbreaks does it get to the point where baseball just says, you know, we have to stop now. We have to do this for the protection of everyone. There's no reason to continue the season. It's pretty early on, so just why not just stop it there? I th- I thought that it was going to be one more after the Marlins because they would just see that it's dangerous, but apparently not. I'm sure they had a lot of in mind about how they deal with if there was an outbreak, but how much more does it take for them to say this is unsafe for people to play with? And something that you've been seeing a lot of is players um, in the beginning of the season weren't using a mask on the field, and there seems to be a bigger increase in players at bat and on the field when other when the other teams uh, have runners on base, they've been using the mask. So it's interesting to see how baseball goes from there, and that's something to really keep an eye on because I have a feeling one or two more outbreaks, it's going to be the end of the season, and they just cut it off there. Next, what I want to talk about, um, the Mets are obviously playing the Marlins, and they lost to the Marlins game one. They beat them game two. They're winning right now, but right now the Marlins stand at 7-2. and two. Obviously, they've only played nine games since they had that whole break in the season because of the coronavirus outbreak. And basically what I want to think is, are the Marlins for real? I mean, they're 7-2. and two. That's an impressive record, but then again, that's only nine games, and teams can get hot, and they got hot to start the season. Really, the only thing that's keeping the Marlins going is their pitching. They have, I think they've been playing with, like, pitchers that are 25 and 24 years old. So, really young pitching staff that's kind of impressed so far. For a lot of them, they've only pitched one start because they keep calling up random people and they had to, uh, had people get coronavirus, so obviously they're not playing. 
So their pitching has been impressive. I think their staff ERA is like 3.5 or something around there. That's what's really keeping them at 7-2. But also the teams they face, they face, they face the Orioles, obviously they're probably the worst team in baseball. The Phillies have not played that well this season, and the Mets also have not played that well this season. So I think it's a combination that they've gotten lucky with their pitching. Uh, they've hit in the right spots, and they've also been playing some pretty bad teams. I'm not getting on the Marlins bandwagon. I don't think it's going to continue. I think they got lucky um, in terms of baseball, and that's really where I stand on that. One more, actually two more things I want to talk about. So one of the big things that's been going on, bigger themes that's been going on in baseball this season is some young players really standing out. So obviously with the season, the minor leagues was shut down and to keep players um, on their 40-man roster and things like that, they had to, they decided to put players that probably wouldn't make the team or maybe will just be a defensive replacement on their taxi squad or keep them on their 40-man roster and things like that. And there's been some young players that would be in double A, single A, some low level in the minors, and have had the chance to play in the majors. Some players that come to mind, Andres Jimenez for the Mets, and Umberto Mejia, who had his first start in the majors, I think a couple of nights ago against the Mets, and he pitched really well. Those are just some two two players that come to mind, but it does bring up the point how much are some players are just ready for it right when they come out of the draft, and that's something for teams to keep in mind that maybe they don't have to wait as long as they do to have these players come up. And it's really nice to see these young players getting the chance to play and taking advantage of their moment because it's definitely a weird moment for everyone and they're taking advantage of it, which I think is great for them. So the next thing I want to talk about is the last thing. It's kind of a minor thing. So Matt Harvey, obviously, if you're a Mets fan, you know him. If you're a baseball fan, you know him. He's a player that was the dark knight at one point, the superstar of baseball, and has completely dropped off. He last played for the Angels and um, didn't pitch well. I think that was 2017, 2018. And he took a year off or something like that and got his mind straight, got his, seems like his demeanor about baseball and his dedication to the game back on track. And he's currently on the, Kansas City Royals taxi squad I'm pretty sure it's called for them and he's really impressed the Royals so far obviously he's playing against the taxi squad so it's nothing he's not playing some great things but he's impressed with his pitching and things like that and I expect him to get a start with the Royals soon or maybe a bullpen role with the Royals it'll be interesting to see how he plays I mean I for one am always always like a comeback story and that would be Matt Harvey coming back and turning into an actual quality pitcher would be a great comeback story that I, for one, would want to see. Um, that's it for baseball, unless Nick has anything else. Nope. All right, so we'll get into basketball. So basketball thus far, uh, the regular season, I guess you want to call it, is coming to an end. I think it ends Friday. So one more week of the regular season and then playoffs. So in terms of the... East and the West. The East seems to be set from one through eight, which I'll pull up the standings right now. So everyone's clinched for the East. So it's the Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, Heat, Pacers, 76ers, Nets, and Magic. That's the order of them. I don't know if anything has changed since 
I think that's how it's been. Actually, yeah, I think that's how it's been. Then for the West, it ha- it's not set yet. Um, obviously, from the beginning, the West had had a lot more teams going in because it was more close, and the West has always had a closer seven through ten situation for a while now. So, the teams that have clinched are the Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Rockets, Thunder, and Jazz, and Mavericks. And then they're still in play for the eighth seed are the Grizzlies, Blazers, Suns, Spurs, Pelicans, and Kings. So a lot of teams still have the chance to make uh, the playoffs, and it'll be interesting how the rest of the season goes about and how they, uh, how the rest of the West is set for the playoffs. In terms of little things that's been going on in basketball, Ben Simmons is supposedly out for the rest of the season. Um, he's having arthros- arthroscopic surgery on his left knee that happened, I think, against, I forgot what game it was. Was it against the Lakers, maybe? Do you know, Nick? I don't remember the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he's supposed he's going to be out for the rest of the season, except that the 76ers make a late playoff run. He might be able to come back. So that's definitely a big blow for the 76ers, who obviously stand in the sixth seed. So, I mean, Ben Simmons is one of their stars. So that's a huge blow for them. And I'm sure 76ers fans are not happy with that. The last thing. Uh, just going all for that, I just wanted to cut into Brian real quick. Uh, just a little uh, medical knowledge. You know, I like to sprinkle in my medical knowledge here and there. Uh, if you guys don't know what arthroscopic surgery is, essentially they use a camera and they go in. It's, it's minimally invasive. That's the idea. And essentially, you know, arthroscopic surgery surgery is usually used to repair like an ACL or a meniscus. Which I'm, I'm, I'm leaning to say this this injury is more of a meniscus injury with the way that they're talking about it. Um, but, you know, minimally invasive, and he, he could have a quick recovery, but the issue is that there's only so much time left in the season. So, um, you know, if it's like a torn meniscus and they're going to fix it surgically through arthroscopic surgery, you know, he could be back in as little as four weeks, five weeks, um, even less than that because, you know, these, these athletes are like superhuman when it comes to healing and with all the technology and help they have access to. He could be back in three weeks, but you know that's pretty much the season's over by then. Yeah. So, um, you know, why push him to do to really injure himself further when he's not ready? Um, so yeah, it, it, that's why I, I'd say it's like he's likely to miss the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I never like to wish injury on any player, but if the Seventy Sixers don't make it far in the playoffs, I will not be mad. So the next thing I want to talk about is a little Warren sanity. Uh, TJ Warren has been on fire during the NBA bubble. We talked about TJ Warren last week after he had the 53-point game, and he's just continued it. He's averaging 34.8 points during this whole um, NBA bubble, which is the highest point total of anyone. It's not James Harden. It's not Anana Bakumbo. It's not LeBron James. It's TJ Warren. Um He's had one off game where he scored 16 points, but other than that, he's dropped. He dropped 53 points, 39 points yesterday. Yeah, yesterday Saturday, um, he's shooting 60.5 percent and 55.6 from three, which is a crazy number. Um, he he's really allowing the Pacers to play really well. I mean, they're not playing with Victor Oladipo, who's obviously didn't stay with the team for the bubble. So they need players like TJ Warren to pick it up, and he's picked it up for sure. And it'll be interesting how they play in the playoffs because if they have a player like TJ Warren on their team, 
I thought that they'd be out very quickly because they don't have Victor Oladipo. But if Warren can stay hot, they'd be playing um, the Heat. So if Warren can stay hot, I mean, I could see the Pacers making past the first round. But is there... Oh, yeah. You want to talk about Jonathan Isaac? Uh, sure. So, just Jonathan Isaac, one of the Magic players that was in the news past week for standing during the National Anthem. Uh, he, I, I guess we didn't really cover it last week, but I just wanted to go over it. Uh, apparently, he tore his ACL during a, I would call it a hop set move uh, to the basket, which, uh, you know, it's a pretty solid move, but it puts a lot of stress on the knee because you're, you're coming to a complete stop and changing directions. And unfortunately, it would cause him to tear his ACL. He's out for the rest of the season. Um, just want to wish the best of luck to Isaac. I, you know, he's, he's such like a talented player that's still developing. You know, his defense is, is you know, he, to me, he's like a top 10, top 5 defender in the league. Like, he's that good defensively. And offensively, you know, I would say he's, he's in the upper tier of players in the league. I would say top 50%. So, you know, really promising player there. And it sucks to see that he, he tore his ACL. Uh, so I wish him the best of luck. Huh. Okay. Um, you want to just go into hockey? Uh, sure. So, moving into hockey... Um, you know, kind of interesting. I'm still trying to figure out how this, how the tournament works. Essentially, there's, there's qualifying rounds that teams that didn't make it to the playoffs can, can earn their way into the, the playoff tournament. And it's about coming to an end. Um, so I just wanted to go through some of the results uh, that are, you know, surrounding what's what's happening right now. Um, so uh, go, going through the first set of teams, we had the Canadians and the Penguins play. Um, Penguins are five. Montreal Canadiens were 12. Um, and they've been through four games so far. Um, and I forget, dude. And so far, the... Dude, I'm lost right now. Okay, here we go. Oh, my God. I have lost. Uh, the Canadians won 3-2 in game one. Penguins 3-1. Canadians 4-3. And then Canadians 2-0. So, that's a 3-1 to lead right there. Um, and then I think it, I think you only need, you only need three games yeah. to win it out. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that allowed the Canadians to move past the Penguins in an upset. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting there. Then we had the Carolina Hurricanes versus New York Rangers. Uh, the Hurricanes swept the Rangers in all three games. Uh, the Rangers got eliminated. Um, so the Hurricane, uh, Carolina Hurricanes moved forward. Then we had the Islanders versus the Panthers. Uh, the Islanders wound up coming away in that series three to two. Um, go Islanders. I'm excited about that. Uh, the next one we have is the Maple Leafs versus the Blue Jackets, and that's going to go in Game 5, which is um, tonight at 8. Um, we'll have to see who wins that one. Um, and then that was the Eastern Conference, so we have the Western Conference. Um, we have the Oilers versus the Blackhawks. Uh, the Blackhawks want to take in the series 3-1. to one. Um, Then we had the Predators versus the Coyotes. Coyotes took the series 3-1. to one. Um, we had the Vancouver Canucks versus the Minnesota Wild. We had the Canucks take it three to one. Uh, we had the Flame Calgary Flames versus the Winnipeg Jets. Um, they wound up taking the series three to one as well, and that is the that is all we have so far. Um, so today we have the Bruins playing Washington, uh, Dallas Stars playing the St. Louis Blues, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, and the Toronto Maple Leafs playing at eight p.m. tonight as well. Um, should be interesting to see what teams make the playoffs versus not. Um, you know, playoff hockey is a lot of fun, so 
Uh, I'm excited to see hockey return as well as, you know, get into the playoffs. Uh, definitely interesting with this qualifying round. You know, it's definitely a little more, more complex with the fact that you only need three games to win the series versus like a, you can usually in hockey, you play a seven game series and it's best, you know, for team to win four. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, kind of interesting. And you know, that's just like hockey in a nutshell. Uh, I, I don't know. I find it interesting. The Penguins got upset. You know, I've been a, I've been fond of the Penguins for quite some years now. Sidney Crosby and Mangy Malkin. Benji Malkin, I don't know how to pronounce his first name, but, um, you know, kind of interesting to see them get upset by the Canadians. Uh, sh- should see, should be interesting to see where the playoffs go. Definitely. Um, I, there's no college stuff for this week, so I yeah, guess that's... there's really no college stuff. That's it for this week's podcast. Any final things you would like to say, Nick? Uh, you know, you know, I'm going back to school soon, so that should be exciting, and I guess I'm kind of excited to see we're really getting to the, the brunt of the playoffs for... You know the NFL, the NBA, football starting up soon. It's kind of and the MLB is going. So it's just like so many sports happening at once. It's really interesting. It's hard to keep up with everything, honestly. Um, which is you know quite the opposite of what was happening yeah. uh, in the past. Uh, but should be should be fun to see where the NBA standings land, especially um, with the East is kind of set. But with the West, I feel like there's so much that can happen with the West because on the East, right, the only teams that I think are really competing for. Championship there, the Bucks to the Raptors, the Celtics. I don't feel like can go all the way, but they're maybe a team. But the Heat, the Pacers, the 76ers, the Nets, the Magic. I mean, those teams are not going to win a championship yeah. unless something crazy happens. But in the West, I feel like the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Rockets, like any of those teams could really put up a fight for a championship. Definitely. Um. So it'll be it'll be fun to see where they go and possibly the Nuggets, which the Nuggets. I mean, the Thunder rather. Thunder have been crazy this season with Chris Paul. Um, really shows how his ability to facilitate is incredible. Um, and, you know, the seating in that in the, in the West, I think, is really going to matter a lot. Huh. Right now, the Rockets are at four, Nuggets three, Clippers two, Lakers one. Obviously, Lakers clips, uh, clinch the first seed. Um, but the Clippers, the Nuggets, and the Rockets, and the Thunder, like, they're all fighting between, like, two, three, four, and five. Because right now with the Rockets at four, um, they're going to play five Thunder, which is, is a pretty – it's going to be a great series if that does happen. Um, you know, Chris Paul versus the Rockets uh, should be interesting right there. But if the Rockets can sneak into the third seat above the Nuggets, they'll be going against the Jazz, which the Rockets historically just destroy the Jazz every single time in the first round of the playoffs. Um, you know, and the Thunder could move past the Rockets. The Nuggets could move up to two. Uh, a lot of moving that could go around in there, and I think the, the seeding for the Western Conference should be interesting. Um, and we'll see where, the, where baseball goes to. You know, not that many games, so every game counts unusual for baseball um and the nfl starting up so really excited for that um other than that you know not much else um thank you guys for listening and i'm gonna hand it over to brian see you guys next week all right so anything for me i'm excited to watch nba playoffs that'll be interesting even though the knicks aren't in it just watching playoffs will be fun to watch i, I feel like i should like pick a team to get on their bandwagon and just get excited about the them. rockets maybe the rockets um but that's really it. Um, just posted an Aaron Judge video, so you can go watch that on our YouTube. Go check out our articles. If you have any interest writing for us or editing videos or any way you think you'd help, contact the Sport Universe 2019 at gmail.com. And other than that, thanks for listening.